I just wanted to say um, that as we talked about Promotion Sunday, at our house we have a community group of college-age kids and young adults. And so it meets every Sunday night at 5.30, and we call it um, Sunday Supper. So we feed you, and you help contribute to that dinner, and then we do a study. And so everyone who is a young adult or going to college, you're always welcome to come Sunday night at our house. Along with that, I'd like to say one other thing that I could probably say this on behalf of the elders, that we really appreciate and covet your prayers that you have done as you're giving us for the pastor search as we're currently going through. We've had 68 resumes submitted to us. We are down to 21 that we've worked through. So we are down to the nitty-gritty part. And so please, we really continue to cover your prayers because we really want to see God's hand work. We want to, can't wait to see who God brings us. So pray for us elders and pray for the men that are becoming and uh, decide that they want to apply at this church. They are coming to Hollister. They're from all around the globe. And we've sorted them down to a smaller list. But they are still changing locations from where they are. So pray for them and pray for us. And we just want to thank you for your patience and the, your graciousness as we work through this process. Um, our community group, the young adults, have been working through on Sunday nights the first uh, the two letters of Peter. And so we've come to realize that we're studying these two letters that they are actually really about that we will have trials in our lives. And that these trials come from various things, various situations. And God allows them in our lives and sometimes they just don't seem logical to us. We might find ourselves in a situation completely Sideswiped completely out of our control, completely unfair, completely even unjust. And when we sit there and we think about that, sometimes it, as we're working through it, we find it that Peter's letters can give us hope and understanding to that. As he's written to encourage five churches in these letter, in the first letter and the second letter, we have that opportunity to glean from these things and help encourage us in these times. Even knowing Peter's goal, it is very easy to find ourselves trying to understand how we ended up here, why God allowed it. And that causes us sometimes even the little challenge to question, what is God doing? Where is God's grace? Where is God's justice? And even at times challenge our beliefs to question from all that we look back and all in the middle we're in, depending on how big the situation is to how small the situation is. I want to this morning to help you see through Peter's letters, First Peter, that we're going to go through this morning to God has not forsaken you. He has not forgotten you and he will not leave you to yourselves. He will not disappear. He will not hide from you. He's always available. Even when life seems bleak, frustrating, and challenging. And this is why the sermon is called, Do You Have Hope? Do You Have Hope? You may be thinking right about now, 
you don't understand, Steve. You haven't gone through what I've gone through. You're not even going through what I'm going through. And you're right. I don't understand until you tell me. Then I could be sympathetic, empathetic, and I could walk with you in this challenge of the trial, the struggle. But at some point, even I will let you down just because we're human beings and we're not perfect. As we mean well, we will still fall short. But the best part is God does not let you down. The timing might not be the same as you would like it, and the answer may not be as quick as you would like it, but He is sovereign, and He will not let you down. You might even feel like Jeremiah. Jeremiah, you realize that he had a very hard ministry if you read through Jeremiah. And you realize that God put him in a situation that he experienced many things. And he had to deal with when Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians in that whole time period. And so you might say, well, I might be feeling like him. But if you don't know the story, let's turn to Lamentations 3. In the Lamentations, in section 3, you begin to see what Jeremiah is feeling. And you begin to see how he experienced what God did and what caused him to... And God put this in the Bible so that we can read it and help us to see and understand. So let's see how Jeremiah feels during these times. Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah 3, starting in verse 1. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. I have, he has driven me away and forced me to walk in darkness instead of light. Yes, he repeatedly turns his hand against me all the days long. He has worn away my flesh and my skin. He has shattered my bones. He has laid siege against me, encircling me with bitterness and hardship. He has indwelled me in darkness like those who are dead for ages. He, wa- he wails in me. Excuse me. He wails. He wails. That's my point. He wails in me and I have not escaped. He has weighed me down with chains. Let's jump to 19. Remember my afflictions and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. I continually remember them and I become depressed. Yet I call to mind and therefore I hope. You're able to see that Jeremiah had a very difficult ministry that God sent him to. He had to endure a lot of things and he's really transparent about how he talks to God and how he feels. He expresses transparently to, to, to what is going on and it allows us to get a feeling that what God expects us and understands, but also helps us to see that how Jeremiah felt. But you leave your finger in Lamentations 3 and let's flip to Jeremiah 1 because I want to show you what God called Jeremiah to. Jeremiah 1.4, the word of the Lord came to me, 
I chose you before I formed you in the womb. And I have set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. But I protested. Oh, no, Lord God, look, I don't know how to speak since I am only a youth. And then the Lord said to me, don't say I am only a youth for I, for you will go to everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you. I do, do not be afraid of anyone for I will deliver you. Then the Lord reached out and touched me in the mouth and told me, I have filled your mouth with my words and I see I have appointed you today over the nations and the kingdoms and uprooted and to tear down and to destroy, to demolish and to build up. Let's go back to Lamentations. So you could see that God had given him a great promise that he was going to protect him and take care of him during this time. And that it goes back to verse 8. Do not be afraid of anyone who I will deliver to you. He was protect. He promised that. And so when you read back in Lamentations 3.21, it says, Yet I call to mind, therefore I have hope. He called what? To what the promise of God was in the beginning. That God said it. He would protect him and take care of him. When we can see how even in Jeremiah's low emotional state that God is trustworthy, reliable, in sustaining and gracious, as he talked about in verse 8. Let's continue reading Jeremiah's emotional expression to truth, in the, to the truth in Lamentations 3. Let's see what, how Jeremiah continues. Let's go to Jeremiah 3.22. It says, Because the, the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his, new mercy, his, his mercies never end. They were new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly and for the deliverance of the Lord. This... As you see, he went from expressing his sorrow and transparency of how he was feeling emotionally to shifting to praise. And that praise gave him, when he thought back of all that God's promises to him, it helped him to praise God because he recognized he wasn't going to stay here forever. Like Jeremiah, we should know God's promises are given to us as we walk and believe in God's word. Second Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to own to his own glory and goodness. Romans 8.28 We know that all things work to the gather of good for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. I don't know if you know, I don't know if you're like me, but when I read these verses of Jeremiah and I think about what he struggles with and you read about all the other prophets, you begin to realize that God picks anybody. He loves 
you where you're at. You don't have to be perfect. He's not asking you to be superior at the, during the time of struggle. He's not asking you to be masterful. He's just asking you to trust him and believe in what he promises. That as we work through these struggling times and we see like there's no hope, do we believe that God's bringing us through it? Do we have hope? And so Jeremiah gives me an encouragement to recognize that I don't have to be perfect. I just have to trust in my Lord. I have to move forward and realize, do I believe what he says here? Do I believe in his promises? Do I put my hope in him? Both and Paul tries the same truth. God's love and plan for us is for today. Just as Jeremiah believed in God's promise to him, we can have the same hope too. Peter's instruction encourages, the, encourages five churches under persecution. Peter's words apply today just as much as they applied to the letter when it was written around 62 to 64 AD to these five churches. Let's read what God has said to Peter so that Peter can instruct us. Let's read 1 Peter 1. In our text this morning will be 1 to 9. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the temporary residents dispersed in Patmos, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and set apart by the Spirit for an obedience of the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Praise God and the Father of, Jesus, of the Lord Jesus Christ according to His great mercy. He has given a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorruptible, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. You are being protected by God's power through faith of your salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this now that for a short time that you have had struggles and various trials so that the genuineness of your faith more valuable than gold which perishes through the refining of fire may result in praise, glory, honor in the revel- at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You love him though you do not See him. See him now. You believe in him and rejoice in the inexpressible glorious joy because you receive the goal of your faith, salvation of your souls. You could see right off that Peter just talking to these five churches that are in northern Turkey, modern day Turkey, that's all part of a Roman province. Quick, Peter quickly goes into encouraging them to, dis, to understanding their situation. He understands their struggle. He states that he st- starts out encouraging them by stating they are temporary residents or aliens here, here on earth. Being, so they know that they're not going to stay here. Their hope is in, in heaven. God's bigger plan is to bring them to heaven with him. Life on earth is a temporal for the believer. 
Is this encouraging to you to know that heaven will be better than anything here? I admit Deirdre and I, when we were in Colorado, we visited about 17 national parks, and we cruised around and cut up a lot of the area in that area, and it was kind of fun to see all that stuff and see God's great creation. It was marvelous, the wonders you see. But it's completely inferior to anything in heaven. I mean, it's just so small to me, and, and, and to comprehend that what the cool stuff that we saw in all those places is really nothing to what I'll see in heaven and what we'll experience in being with God. Knowing that God desires you to set you apart and be with him, heaven is encouraging. This is what his plan was for you, to be part of it. And he's working and he's asking you to do that. So as he works it out through you, let's keep moving through Peter. It says, Peter transitions in 3 and 5 from God's beautiful plan, beautiful plan to bring us into a heaven, his heavenly family to praising God for the gift of his son. So we see the shift. It says, praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, incorruptible, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being protected by God's power through a salvation that is already revealed at this time. Let's think about what Peter's saying here. Excuse me. He's encouraging these five churches in the midst of trials and struggles and challenges, and he praises God for the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Is not Jesus' work on the cross a reason for the new life? Did not Jesus suffer for our sins so, and, so that we may have a relationship with this, our God, our Father? Peter helps us to see that the gratitude for all that God has done for us in our hearts will follow into gratitude as we think about and reflect what he's saying. Do you realize that Peter considered, is considered to be in prison at this time? So it's not like me or you and being armchair quarterbacks or maybe an armchair hockey coach and shouting out and saying things that I've never played hockey in my life. But Peter's in, have, in prison and it makes his letter even more credible to them when he's talking about encouraging them to have hope, to think about how Jesus Christ, because he's in prison. And if you know prison at that time period, if you didn't take care of someone in prison, they would perish. You'd bring them food, you'd bring them their care. And he is sitting here completely writing to, penning these two letters to these five churches and encouraging them. So he's... He's encouraging them to help them to see, I understand, and let me encourage you that there's a better hope. And it's only temporal afflictions you're feeling here now on earth are very small to the gloriousness of our Savior. He makes it clear that we are part of God's family. In verse 4 it says, you into an inheritance and then he describes the value of the gift of the inheritance that is in Christ. That is, 
imperishable, uncorruptible, unfading, and kept in heaven. This is how much God loves you. He is committed to protecting what he gave you. It doesn't disappear. You don't lose it. It doesn't fade away. He protects our salvation so that he is ensuring that you and I will see him in the end. That you and I will be with him and part of his family in heaven to see the joys and the gloriousness of who he is and who his son is. Romans 9, 33. As you have received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. If you have come here today feeling like Jeremiah last week, this week, you can see how much God loves you as a believer. Peter is stating that this is our living hope, Jesus Christ. Our belief in Jesus Christ is our living hope. Our relationship with God is through the receiving of Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We have come heirs with God, as he stated, when we believe in Jesus Christ. What is protecting our living hope in Jesus Christ? It is the promise of our salvation. You are being protected by God's power through faith, our committed faith. Peter is assuming that then, excuse me, Peter is reassuring them that to understand that they will be part of a future plan of God that God has laid out in the last day when Christ returns. He is encouraging them to be steadfast in their belief of God and the promises and not to lose heart in the situations that they're in. Peter is helping them, helping these churches to see that our new, that our reward is trusting and believing in God's promises is that we will protect, he will protect our salvation to the end. And it states, it is ready to be revealed at the last time. So when Christ returns, we will be raised up with Christ. We'll be in our new glorified bodies as we have trusted ourselves to God's promises in our, our lives to Jesus Christ. As we move to 6 and 7, he says in the verses of 1 Peter, it says, You rejoice in, in this, though now for a short time you have had to struggle in various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes through the refining of fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As life brings doubts and trials, Peter brings these believers to realize that they should rejoice. That's an active tense word, rejoice, he's telling them. Peter understands your troubles. He understands that they're not long. They could be long or they could be short. But he, should real, but he wanted them to realize that they're just temporal because we're aliens. He's going back to we're aliens here. You don't, nothing's going to be here forever because you're going to be in heaven. Our walk is a finite on earth, but we are aliens here on earth. Trials are part of our walk. God allows trials in our lives to strengthen us. You and I believe both know that this is hard at times. And we sometimes do well, 
Sometimes we don't. But they are part of our lives. And we all know James's instruction. James 1, 2, and 4. Consider great joy, my brothers, and whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must, be, must do its complete work so that you may mature in complete lacking nothing. It has a plan. God has a plan with his trials for us. Trials help produce endurance. In first, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18, it says, Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, the inner person is renewed day by day. For at a momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolute, incomparable, internal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is not seen. And so, and for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Trials help us to focus on eternal destination, that is heaven as well. Peter uses the phrase, genuineness of your faith, to illustrate a true belief in God and His promises. The final proof of our walk in Jesus Christ will be evident at the return of Christ. He uses the illustration of gold to purification process with the fire to remove its impurities. Peter is equating trials of God's purification process in our sanctification. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised when fiery ordeals come among you to test as you test you as if some unusual were unusual were happening to you instead rejoice as you share in the sufferings of the messiah so that you may also rejoice with great hope at the revelation of his glory peter said our hope is a living hope trials are part of our sanctification process of the faith in Jesus Christ. Do you believe God is growing you through trials? Hebrews 10, 35 to 39. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which is a great reward. For you have a need to endure, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet in a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. My righteous ones shall live by faith. And if they shrink back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back to destruction, but those who have faith to preserve, for preserving our souls. The answer is yes. God does help us with trials, work us through trials, strengthens our faith. His will is perfect for us. We read, we read it earlier, right? In Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. Whose purpose? 
God's purpose. Like I said, his plan brought us to himself to be with him and Jesus Christ in heaven. He has a perfect and he is a perfect and sovereign Lord from from the thoughts from these thoughts let's continue with Peter's text verses 8 and 9 You love him though you have not seen him and though you've not seen him now you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible joy glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith a salvation of your souls. This text touches on our attitude towards our Savior. The new hope is in Jesus Christ causes us to love the gift and the promise. Our love is driven by our knowledge and understanding what Jesus has actually did for us. When you stop and pause and reflect on the gospel, we begin to shift our attitude towards gratitude. Why? Because we think about the gospel and we realize what Jesus did for us. We realize that God gave his son for us. I realize we say a lot that we should preach the gospel to ourselves. You may be thinking, what exactly does that mean? So let me provide you with a little help. What is the gospel? And how do you explain it to yourself? I'll give you a couple texts. I'll read a couple and give a couple for you to review on your own to help build you this understanding. Ephesians 1.13. Ron had been going through Ephesians. has done a great job so far. And he will continue to do a great job because he's under the power of the Lord and he's under, he loves his study. So... It says, the love, you love him though you have not seen him. And though not seen him now, you believe in him. Oops, excuse me, wrong one. That's not Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians. Um, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your, of, our, of your salvation, and when you believe in him, you were also sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. He is your down payment of your inheritance. For there is redemption and the possession of the praise of our glory. Jesus is our inheritance. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-5, it says, Brothers, I want to clarify for you the gospel I proclaim to you. You received it and have taken your stand on it. You are also saved by it if you hold to the message I proclaim to you, and unless you believed for no purpose. For I pass on to you the most important that I received, that Jesus died for your sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and raised up on the third day. And he appeared to Cephas and the twelve. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. Why did he come? John 3, 16 to 18 will help you with that. In Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. What did he do? What did he do for us? Romans 5, 8. What do you get when you repent of your sins and turn your life over to him? Romans 6, 23 
John 1, 12. When we think about the gospel, it will help you to realize and praise God. Because these verses reveal his plan for you. It allows you to think about God's love, grace, and mercy, and on and on and on that will come to your head. And I didn't even really touch all the verses I could have gone to. But I wanted to give you a few verses to stop and let you think on what is the gospel is and what God and the good news of Jesus Christ is about. This is why Peter can say to these believers, though you see him, though you've not seen him now, you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith of salvation of your souls. The new birth is a living hope strengthens, that strengthens our faith. Steadfast faith testifies of our salvation. I'd like to read, I'd like to read a hymn. I'd like you guys to reflect on the words this morning as I read the lyrics. After I finish the hymn, um, the servers may come up and pass out communion. And then we will go from there. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, lover of my soul. A friend may fail me, foes assail me. He is my savior, makes me whole. Refrain is, is, hallelujah, what a savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. Jesus, what a strength and weakness. Let me hide myself in him. Tempted, tried, and sometimes failing. He's my strength. My victory wins. Jesus, what a friend and help, what a help in sorrow. While the billows roll over me, when my heart is breaking, he's my comfort. He helps my soul. Jesus, what a guide and keeper. While the tempest still is high, storms about me, night overtake me. He's my pilot. Here's my cry. Jesus, I know I do receive him. More than all I find in him. Him I find. I have granted, he granted me forgiveness. I am his and he is mine. Hallelujah, what a savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. Let's have the servers come and pass out communion, please. Reflect on these words as we take time to examine our hearts for communion. Please.
And the night he was betrayed, the Lord took bread, gave thanks and broke it, said, this is my body, do this in remembrance of me. Partake. He also took the cup and said, this is the cup of my new covenant established by, by my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. Let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time to remember of all that you've done through your Son for us. Thank you that you blessed us by giving us your Son so that we may have a relationship with you. Father, strengthen us as we rely and focus on you and grow and seek to understand you more so that we may become a light for you in all the around us and all the days of our lives. We just pray these things in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.